When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another special audio-only edition of the PHX Caddies Podcast. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss any of these special audio-only edition episodes. I'm PD. Along with me, as always, is Craig Morgan. And joining us today is our very special guest, former Coyote defenseman and current broadcaster with the Florida Panthers, Ed Jovanovsky. Ed, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, guys. Pleasure. Good to catch up with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, Joel, good to have you on the show. Good to have your dogs, Oliver and Luna, yeah. in the background as well. Uh, maybe we'll get a clip of that, Petey, we can put up at some point. But yeah, we got to hear them throughout the show, so be ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah be, I apologize for that yeah. already. <laughs> Joel, uh, Petey already alluded to it, but just wanted to catch up. You know, what have you been up to, obviously, since retirement? I know you're in broadcasting, but maybe run us through some of the bullet points of what you've been up to since then. <clears throat> well, yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, you know, retirement's tough, right? So, as you know, and I'm sure you heard this from from so many other players, you know, you play 19, you play 20 years in the league, and then, boom, it's kind of over, and then you try to figure out kind of what you're going to do. You're going to give yourself a year to just kind of hang out and enjoy the family, play some golf, and do whatever you need to do. Um, you know, that one year kind of runs into two or three years, and you're still kind of just kind of figuring out what to do. So, um, you know, yeah, for myself, got into into doing the broadcast work with the Panthers here. I've been really enjoying that. Um, it's been a fun ride with this team, you know, to say the least. I think I think they've been kind of heading in the right direction the last handful of years, so that's been nice. But listen, overall, I, I think just watching, you know, as as players, we we miss so much, you know, with our with our kids. So to be around, kind of full time with them and. And uh, my son plays travel hockey, so kind of been doing a lot of that. And, you know, the girls are just kind of, my older ones are kind of in the working world. Actually, my, my middle one's still senior at, uh, in, in, at IU. And, uh, you know, the twins, when I got to Arizona, you know, the, um, you know, twins were just born. They're 17, you know, now. So it's, it's been a while. So they grow up quick, and they're just having fun watching them kind of get around to uh, figuring out life themselves. How did the broadcasting thing happen? And I also want to ask you about working with Jeff Chickren, who we obviously know out here really well. Well, you know, I just made the phone call. You know, if you guys are are interested in, in um, you know, me joining the group, 
Uh, it was pretty much simple as that. You know, sometimes we kind of sit quiet and we don't kind of open our mouths and 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 kind of ask, you know, if there's an opportunity. And, um, you know, if you don't ask, you're never going to know. So I made the inquiry about seeing if there is any opportunity. And, yeah, sat down, went through that whole kind of thing, went through a couple practice runs. And, you know, as you know, you guys kind of doing this, the first couple times get a little slippery, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you get the hang of it and you just kind of know how to, you know, the whole process works. And, and working with Chick, yeah, we split the game. So it's nice, gives us a little bit of personal time with the family as well. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fun to be around and, um, you know, I know you guys know him there from his son playing in Arizona. So good man, good family. It's fu- it's funny. Cause you definitely have a face for TV. God, you're good looking. You're ready. You could probably go out and play like today. <laughs> like you could jump in a lineup. You could be, you could, I was just in Palm six. Springs. I got some, I got some color. I was just in Palm Springs <laughs> playing golf for the week. So, um, I wonder what they pay you fun. just to sit on the top of the power play right now and just wind her up. You could probably still make a couple mil a year. Um, as you know, if there is no chasing the puck or any corners, any battles going on, I might be able to give you a few minutes on the point, just kind of getting it through. But, uh, I tell you what, as you guys, like I said, as you guys know, what the game has just gone to a level where, wow, you know, we watch it from up top, right? So everything looks easy. You can still predict kind of where the puck's going to go, um, but you start watching the game down low, you really get appreciation for where this game is is now and probably where it's going to continue to go. <clears throat> the speed is, uh, is spectacular. And if you can't skate, um, you know, you get pretty exposed out there. Yeah, but you talk about the way you used to play. I mean, you were an offensive defenseman. You could skate. You could move the puck. You were offensive. You led the Coyotes team four of the five years in, in defense scoring that you were here. Um, that was kind of your game. But you're right. When you look at the game now, it, and you're a big guy, you you got these little guys out there scooting around now on the back end. It's a, it's a totally different game. The speed of this game is absolutely unbelievable. No, it, it is. And, uh, you know, it's a tougher job for those wingers. <laughs> Watching the watching the point, man. Um, but you're right, and and I think it really. And you listen to a lot of coaches talk, guys, and it's all about puck possession. How do you get puck possession? Have a good faceoffs and breakouts. You got to be able to break the puck out. And I remember Mac T told me this at World Championships. He's like, you know what, Jovo? If you can break the puck out clean, you'll make five million dollars a year for this in this league for many years. You know, you just got to be, get back. Quick, just get the puck, the puck and, and, and lug the mail or move the puck out. So he was, um, he was not wrong, Jovo. No, and, and yeah, I mean, you, you see it now, um, you know, the defensemen go back there. And there's not – it's not one or two guys anymore. It's five, six guys that can do yeah. that. And there's no more guys coming in playing four minutes on the back end, six minutes. You know, the guys are playing your 25, 26 minutes. You're, you're probably your top three or four guys. And the other guys are playing 18, 20 minutes. So um, the league has really kind of got to that point where, you know, you have, you're a four-line team, 6-6-D, six, six um, couple good goalies, and it gives you the best chance to win each and every night. Hey, did you see that wind blow in from the background? 
I know. Like, this is like good TV. It's like this is like a Baywatch moment for Joe. Boots <laughs> off the shirt. Well, he's no uh, idiot though. He's not. He's not living. No offense to Winnipeg, Calgary, and Ottawa, but he's down in Florida. Like he's. If you're gonna yeah. work in hockey, do it where the sun shines. Amen. Amen. All right, Joe. I want to go way back to your rookie season. You know when NHL players were still wearing magazines for shin guards and. The, the number one overall pick in the draft. I'm curious, is there pressure that comes along with it? What's the mindset when you're number one overall? You're the guy, and and I know you didn't even expect to be number one, right? Yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure, you know, because when everything happened so quick, you know, for me, listen, I started playing hockey at 11, and then, you know, I'm at the draft, and I end up going number one. I know I interviewed with the three teams, Florida, Anaheim, Ottawa. So I knew I was in that group. Um, it wasn't so clear cut as it is today, as you know, from pretty much, you can go back to a couple of years knowing this guy is going to be the number one guy. There's a little bit more kind of going on in our draft, but it's something that you can't get taken away from me. You're always going to have that label being the number one pick. And I, and I really cherish that. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, you know, the pressure that came along with it. I, I really don't know. I think I was surrounded by, you know, really good teammates, a really veteran team here in Florida that, you know, just allowed me to go play. And it, it wasn't, hey, listen, this guy's the number one pick. You know, we expect more out of him. Dougie McLean did a good job. And Lindy Ruff did an excellent job with me on the back end and um, I think played me the proper minutes and put me in positions to succeed. And, you know, as the season goes on, you just get more comfortable. And I think you assume a little bit more responsibility, you know, because you are a little bit more experienced now. Come playoff time, you know, you're not really considered a rookie anymore. So, you know, I think for me, I, I, I felt it more, guys, in my second year, you know, because we had such a good first year that the second year, you know, they call it the sophomore slump and this and that. Um well, listen, I mean, the only pressure I think that came was, you know, probably within, you know, myself at times. Mm. But but overall, I have to credit, you know, the guys that were around me. You know, we had a real veteran team that just allowed me to go there and play. But you, thought, you look at that first year and, and does it kind of like you were that was a, a unbelievable time to be a Florida Panther. I mean, you, you, we kind of a Cinderella story. The next thing you look up and you're in the Stanley Cup finals and it's the rats on the ice and the energy in the city. Like it's unbelievable for that, for you. What's that experience like making that run in that city in your rookie season? Well, that's what it was. And I, and I think being, being a teenager at the time, you know, you're not really kind of looking at it as that point. You're looking at it, Listen, we're in the playoffs, you know, we're trying to achieve our ultimate goal is to win a cup. Did we think we were going to get there? Be honest, no, not really. But, you know, I think towards the end of the year, the team playing really good hockey, and then you kind of face the Bruins in the first round and then go through them and go through Philly. And the most craziest one was winning a game seven in Pittsburgh, you know, to, to get to the Stanley Cup finals. Um, but, yeah, I think that whole – you know, you're on the biggest stage. Everybody's watching. Um, I, I think the experience helped me, obviously, moving forward in, in, in my career. And But it gave me a sense of appreciation how hard it was. Yeah. You know, looking back now, how hard it was 
you know, to get, you know, to the finals. And you would think at, you know, being a, being a youngster that you have many years left in the league that you'll get another opportunity. And it just never happened. You know, we had some good teams along the way, you know, where I played, but it, it's such a tough, you know, championship to win. A lot of things need to align. And, um, but yeah, I think that's what I took out the most out of it, guys. It's just, you know, how hard it is and your body just kind of broken down and you're playing through, not me only, around the room. Everybody kind of playing through something, but the experience was invaluable, definitely. Do you see any similarities between that first season and the team that you're covering right now that made a run to the finals and you're obviously around it quite a bit? <laughs> not really to be, you know, I, I guess when you look at the season that this team had last year, they were on the verge of not making the playoffs. Yeah. You know, so they, they kind of made a turn kind of January ish around there where they started playing the right way. And you can see kind of this team, they're playing right, you know, what can do, but you look at this group's, the depth on this team um, and the star players that they have, we didn't have that. Let's face it. You know, Scott Mellonby scored 30 goals. Um, we had an excellent goaltender in Van Beesbrook that stole us a lot of games. Kind of a bunch of meat and potatoes guys put the hard hats on, work boots on, and just kind of slugged it through. And uh, Stu Barnes, Tom Fitzgerald, these guys that just, you know, gave it their Brian Screwland, Mike Huff, <laughs> Terry Karkner, Robert Svale on the back them, Gord Murphy. You know, these guys, kind of journeymen guys that, you know, ended up here in Florida and just was kind of riding that high wave. Um, you know, but the work work ethic was there, and that's what this team has here. They work hard, and they work hard. Their skill wins them games, and I don't feel like our skill won us these games. It was just our work ethic, and you always want that kind of a game breaker, right, guys? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you can have a hard working team. I'm sure you guys live it in Arizona. You guys are a hard working team. You have to play hard, but it's always nice to have that one guy that can break it open. You know, with Schmaltz and Keller, these guys can do so. But um, when I look at the team we played, the Avalanche, they had some game breakers. That was a stack, <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a stack team. And, and yeah. um, we kept it close on a few games, but we got smoked one game. But they were, they were an excellent team. You know, talk about game breakers. So let's take you you're in your fourth season in Florida. Trade deadline's coming. And Florida needs a game breaker. And so they go to the Vancouver Canucks and they pull in a game breaker. They, they trade for Pavel Brewery. And unfortunately, it sends you to Vancouver. So you've spent your whole career, your young career as a, still a young kid, early 20s in the NHL. And now you're going to Vancouver. What was going through your mind when you're leaving the only home you knew? Well, my firstborn was six months old at the time when I got traded. Oh, no. So um, that was that was difficult in that, you know, you just, you get the call, late Brian Murray uh, called me and he's like, yeah, hey, Ed, you know, we traded you to, uh, to Vancouver. I think I was so rattled that I didn't ask for who, but obviously knew, you know, what was, yeah. I was more interested in what was the package deal. I knew, <laughs> I know who the, the main attraction in that trade yeah. was. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I remember getting on a flight that next morning uh, back to back Nashville, Dallas, and I think oh. Iron Mike, 
Iron Mike played me like 30 and 31 minutes back to back. So, um, at the time, guys, it was like, what the heck? You know, like yeah. I'm a young player, I felt like, you know, as defensemen, they're hard to come around. Like, you just got to let this kid kind of mature and really kind of get into his prime. And it is what it is. We all know that's part of the business. Got to Vancouver, rained for 19 straight days. Um, and listen, Just spent better part of better part of seven years there, and had you know some crazy, fun, successful years there. So, and all in all, in the end, it worked out pretty good. Speaking of crazy, uh, oh, Jesus, little different fan base between uh, South Florida and Vancouver. Just wondering what that shift in environments was like for you. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, but, you know, the team was kind of here in Florida was, was, you know, we had fans, in the, you know, coming off, you know, a couple years removed from, from going to the cup final, still a playoff team. So the fans, you know, were good. But shifting to Vancouver, I got to a team where, you know, a team wasn't very good. So you still have some, you know, empty seats in the building. Now, fast forward, Mark Crawford comes in there. Now we kind of build this winning team. It's crazy you can't even get a ticket. And now you really see the Canadian fan base kind of really taking over and make sure that you're on your game. Because if you're not on your game, you hear from the fans, but you also hear from the media. There's no sugarcoating anything in these markets. Yeah. you know. And that's what I like. I like that pressure of almost being scared you know, to not play your game. You know, because you always wanted to kind of be there for your teammates, for the city. You wanted to play hard. And, you know, for, for, for me, the passion was always there. So I knew I was going to have the jump. Whether it was going to be good or awful, that game was always kind of you never knew. But, um, but yeah, certainly playing in that market. And, you know, it's, it's special. It's a special place, especially when the sun's out. There's not a more beautiful place in North America, I tell you. And yeah. the fans love their hockey. It's 24-7 hockey there. And um, they love their team. And I couldn't imagine what kind of what they're going through right now. You know, yeah. they're, they're probably having a nice little ride over there. A lot of players, when, when they go to those markets for the first time, will talk about maybe like encounters that they have with fans away from the rink. Like in, you, you're shopping for groceries and, and somebody comes up to you, tells you, tells you, you need right. to do a job. Uh, you, do you ever have any of those encounters with fans outside of the rink? Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time. I mean, um, there wasn't somewhere that, you, you know, you went that you weren't recognized. I mean, really, I, my kids were young at that time, you know, and, and Daddy, why are, why are they taking pictures, you know? And, you know, so but it's a part of playing in that market. I think sometimes it gets a little bit crazy. You know, you just feel like you're – you just kind of want some downtime. But that, you know, playing in that market um, – you know, you just got to carry yourself, you know, off the ice as, as a part of the Vancouver Canucks and, and really kind of enjoy the moment, you know, because one day, guys, it does end, right? <laughs> it, it does end. But overall, um, yeah, grocery store, restaurants, doctor's office, kids' school, you know, what gives it away? A black eye or stitches or whatever. I mean, something, yeah. something, something at that point in my in part of my career was always kind of banged up. So, but it, I enjoyed it. It was fun. 
Well, you, you talk about that. So you had great years. I, I, that's how I remember Ed Jovanovski. I remember in the Vancouver Canucks sweater, and I guess the early runs in Florida. But then you get to 2006, the summer of 2006, and it's time to sign a new contract, and you end up in Arizona. So you go to from Florida, go to the Stanley Cup Finals. You go to Vancouver, had a couple of playoff appearances there. Why Arizona in 2006? Well... I mean, my number one goal at the time was obviously to stay in Vancouver. And, you know, for whatever reason, this we couldn't get we couldn't get a deal done. And uh, there was other options kind of in that. You know, when you saw the commitment that Arizona was was given to me, I, I felt that, you know, it was a good opportunity for for me to go somewhere. And, uh, you know, at the time, pretty veteran team, you know, on paper looked pretty good. And, um, you know, this, I, I, you know, you want to sugarcoat this whatever way you can, but, you know, you look at your future and you look at, you know, the, the, the contract and how it lays out. And, and it was, it was something that, you know, Arizona really stepped up, you know, so I felt it was a fair contract for the free agency and, and what you're coming out of. And I felt that was a good fit for me and the family to, to move to Arizona. You talk about good on paper. That's the only place that team was good was on paper because that was a, that was right. a tough year in Arizona yeah. led by a famous captain here, Shane Doan. Although you look at your time here and you, you were still, you still led that team for the five years in defensive scoring. And, and the one thing about you in your time here is like you, you knew you were a puck mover. You knew you were an offensive guy. But when you had that little bite, when you were playing with that edge, look out because you you could skate well enough. But man, could you you could still get really physical. And you were growly back in those times. That was right. the biggest surprise for me here is seeing you play every day and not realizing that that was part of. You knew you were a puck mover. Man, could, when you were on, you were a tough son of a bitch out there. Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, there was there was really no other way. You know, I felt that when, I was always on my best when my wires were almost crossing, not fully crossed. And, you know, I was on my toes and, 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 and good first pass, uh, physical when needed to be. Obviously playing mid, you know, 24 to 26 minutes, you had to be, you know, somewhat, you know, aware of, you know, being efficient out there and not kind of going crazy, you know, every shift. But, you know, I think for me, uh, being that guy in the back end uh, would bring that physical part of the game and really kind of engage me into the game as well. I, I knew when I'm chirping or getting chirped at or hitting or getting hit, you know, I really got me into the game. And I felt when there was an opportunity to, to create something offensively, you know, I do my best to do so. But I, I think once Tip kind of got there, really kind of looked at, you know, my game and my responsibility where me and, uh, you know, Zabinic were, were playing against top lines every night. And that's something I haven't done in my career because I always played with guys, you know, that we had those two guys, you know, there that, you know, can do that shutdown role and then put me and my partner against someone where we can create some offense. So it was, yeah. it was kind of shifted a little bit in, in Arizona, but I enjoyed it. 
But you look at that time too, though, Joel. You, you look at the guys that were there coming into league when you were there. You got Keith Yandel, a guy a lot of people might not remember, but Keith Ballard, who I thought was a really good up and coming defenseman at a time. Oliver Ekman Larson was on that team. So not only did you you get to have that offensive side, but now you're older, you're more experienced. Now you're the mentor to these guys. So you kind of laid the foundation to some of, honestly, some of the best defensemen to ever play here in Arizona. And you were the guy that helped lead the way for them. Yeah, it's all, you know, coming as a defenseman, you really lean on guys that got experience and that been around and know, and know kind of, you know, how to handle things, I guess. And, um, you know, like you said, having OEL come in there, Yandel was kind of up and down and never could figure out why he was kind of going up and down. Because when I see him in practice, I'm like, how is this kid not full time, you know, in the NHL? And I remember having that conversation with Keith and, Telling him, I, you know, I don't know what you're doing away from the rink, you know, but I, I think you have an opportunity here, you know, to make lots of money and to have a long NHL career. And, you know, I think the next time you're up here, I think you should do whatever it takes, you know, to make sure you never go back. And um, I think he took it to heart. I think that's something I can look back. He tells the story as well. You know, he could look back and say, you know, Joe, you know, I'd talk with Jovo, whether, listen, at the end of the day, you have to do it, right? You have to do it and you have to be willing. Found a beautiful uh, uh, girl and married and, um, you know, he's got his kids and, and you see the career that he had. I mean, he had a long career, made lots of money, did a lot of good things in this league. But yeah, OEL, now I see him here, you know, in Florida. You know, maybe getting out of that Canadian market, you know, some people do it. I, You know, like he's been great here. He's been great here. He's not looked upon the guy to really kind of get it done. He's kind of doing his thing, giving his minutes. But, yeah, I mean, they, um, even Mikhailik, you know, for a young guy, it was a good partner for me. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, we had some we had some players, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying at the start, that, you know, we look at this team and it was on paper, you know, it was yeah. good. You know, the execution part didn't go as great as we wanted to, but yeah. and, you know, on paper it's a pretty good team. Yeah, you got there eventually, though. I, I got to ask, uh, first of all, just what it was like, what the vibe was like, the atmosphere was like, what your reaction was to playing for Gretz. And then if you could shift from that into how things changed when Tip came in. Uh, well, listen, I mean, it was all right all growing up. So having the opportunity to, to play for Wayne, I think, was uh, was great. His passion uh, for the game was excellent. Uh, the way he treated his players was excellent. He really liked young guys. I think for him, being in that position before him as a young guy, uh, <clears throat> maybe played some young guys a little bit too much that weren't ready, you know, to play at the time. But... I mean, it is what it is. We kind of deal with what you have. He's on the team. You, you know, might as well play him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty neat seeing Wayne Gretzky behind the bench or before the game and kind of walking around the room. It's you know, he's your coach. It's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> didn't work out really. Kind of made that move, and and now Tip comes in. You know, a real established NHL guy that you know brings that. You know, accountability to everybody to make sure that you're, you know, your role out on the team and, you know, you're going to do it this way. And, and if you don't, you're just not going to play. And I, and I think that was kind of the stern message. And, and one thing Tip did every five games, as PD, you know, he'd have, 
you know, your chances for, chances against, and he would do a plus-minus system. And if it was kind of way out of whack, I mean, video and chances kind of don't lie, and you can't really fool your teammates. You might be able to fool kind of, you know, the fans watching, you know, Arizona. You know, it's not crazy like, you know, hockey hotbed where I think people are paying attention to a lot of little things. Um, You know, so when you look at, you know, that being posted on the uh, on the board and you can see yourself kind of where you fit in the last five games, kind of it's an indication on your play and, and more importantly, more as where the team is at. So I thought kind of a little bit of different, you know, things when you see a coach come in there and kind of add a few things that you know, keeps you on your toes. That's what tip was. I got to ask about what it was like to deal with that, that video coach back then. I, I heard <laughs> stories, you know, and I, in, in the later years, I'd see him roller skating up and down the aisle on the team flight, handing guys iPads, but there were no iPads back then. So I, right. God. if he like hand delivered a, a, a VHS to you guys, you know, you had to pop the yeah. tape in and watch it on a big screen. What, what was uh, that video coach like? Well, he was great. He was always on his toes. There you go. Um, Gumbel. He, he had thick skin. He had thick skin. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I remember that setup, walking into we, that coach's room. I think Joe, everything but, has changed now, you know. But you look at that coach's room there, Jovo. Do you remember that first year? <laughs> I mean, it was Barry Smith, yeah. Rick Tockett, and, and Wayne Gretzky. And Barry Smith and Rick Tockett have very different personalities, and the two of them didn't always agree on things. Right. And so it, there was a lot of – I guess discussions in that room and and Wayne, Wayne didn't like controversy. He didn't like anything to upset him. Like Wayne just liked things to be just calm. So th- it was a very, it was an interesting coach's room. But the one thing I remember about the Wayne Gretzky years, especially, Wayne really wanted to be successful. He wanted to be a really good coach. He was the best yeah. player that ever played, and he wanted so badly to be a, a really good coach. The problem was, he was really really busy being Wayne Gretzky. And it was it, it was an odd thing, and I know Jovo can speak to this. Like the one thing that Dave Tippett had, had was structure. If we're practicing at nine, we're practicing at nine. If we're practicing at ten, we're practicing at ten. Wayne would roll in at nine thirty and go, eh, well, "Let's go on the ice today at nine fifty." <laughs> and then Stan would run into the room to the guys, "Hey, we're going on at nine fifty today." It just you really depended on what Wayne felt that day or what Wayne had going. So it was just a little bit different than when Tip came in. Yeah, listen, I mean, you guys know this, Peter. You know this being around the game. Um, it, it, it's a big commitment, man, and coaches. I mean, yeah. you, you're doing a lot of work, and, and you're busting things down, and you, when things don't work, how can you change things, you know, to, to make the team better and watch video, bust video down, and, and talk with your assistants and figure out something that, you know, will work and and not saying I, I think you kind of hit it on the head pete I, I think wayne who he is has got a lot going on you yeah. know and as much as when he was in the room he he cared about his his coaching um but there's there's it's a lot to be wayne gretzky and i like to be in his shoes for one day yeah um but you know at the end of the day you know tip was you know tip played you know, kind of how he coached, you yeah. know, he was that kind of guy where he was like that when he played. So he, he kind of knew what it took, you know, to win. And, and you, you know, you look at the Oilers days, right. They, they'd fill the net, 
you know, and, and um, I, I think Tip was, listen, you have to be able to win. You have to play solid defense. And I think that was just the message that came across for, for when Tip was there. When you go back with Wayne, and one of the things that I found in the Wayne era that, that always was inter- interesting to me is to see who would get on the plane. And, and the team charter, you just <laughs> honest to God, you never knew if it was going to be his caddy one day, the nanny the next day. And I don't know if you were there then, but do you remember the day the dog came on the plane? Were you yeah, still with yeah. the team? When the, yeah. You look, yeah, you had yeah. to be. And you yeah. look down the aisle of the private Coyote jet, and here comes this little white poodle running up and down the aisle of the plane. And you're going, what in the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, we're, we're flying to a hockey game. <laughs> right. I, I think um... – I think Janet was a frequent on the uh, on the yeah. uh, on the flight as well, so maybe the dog came, you know, that yeah. time. But you know, it's that you know, for me, at the end of the day, it's it, back then. You're just starting to think about it, right? So, yeah, you know, a dog. It was the best the time I ever had. I'm you so know, glad I was there. Right, right. It was fun. Uh, but I can guarantee you, you're probably not seeing that anywhere else. Oh, you know, no. as much as. As much as bringing a family member on a flight now with all the insurance issues and this and that, you know, it's, it's um, you know, pretty strict. Uh, but, yeah, we, we saw some interesting things with Wayne around. Some cool people that we've met, you know, over the years that, you know, all oh, yeah. the sports. Uh, celebrities you know, sports hanging out buddies, in the locker celebrities room. Celebrities hanging out, yeah. So it was, Charles uh, Barkley was, was in the, pretty he was in the video yeah. room after. Hey, how's yeah. you, what is going on in here? And you're like, what? <laughs> is Charles Barkley in here? I was in the, yeah. We were in the video room once, Joe. Boy, this is a story you probably don't even know. We were in – it was in a game at Gila River. Is during a game. And you remember the video room there? Janet came in with an interior designer during the game, during play. <laughs> and they were going to redo all the furniture in the coach's room. Like it was some big name interior designer. They were going to put in couches and chairs. And she came up to me during the game as I'm watching the thing, taps me on the shoulder. She goes, would, be, would it be okay if we built a wall right here? And then she was like behind my back. And I'm going, gosh, I, I don't know if that's going to work. The coach has kind of got a need to see the TVs. And it was like, where in the hell am I? Like, what, what is going on? <laughs> so thank goodness they ended up moving his his little entertainment lounge to the other side of the coach's room after. But, um, but, but you, you, you talk about the team that you had there and the players you had there and Dave Tippett was there and, and you leave. And you go to Florida, and then magic happens in Arizona. And the 11-12 run is still something we talk about here today because that's all we have in Arizona is the 11-12 run. And a lot of the players you played with in 10-11 were still there in 11-12. What was the feeling looking at that from the outside? I'm sure you still talked to all the players. You still were friendly with Yandel and OEL and all the guys in yeah. Donor. You know, what was that like sitting on the other side of the world in Florida and and, and a team that you made the playoffs that year too, but you, you made it through the first round. You, you get, you're in the first round losing seven. And – um. Watching the Coyotes make that run, what was that like internally for you? Well, you know, listen, we're, we're happy, you know, for – you're more happy for, you know, the guys that, you know, are there and get the opportunity to kind of keep advancing in the, uh, you know, in the playoffs. And, um, yeah, it was a good run. I mean, you look at I, – I can't recall on all the games, but, but you know, hard-working team. And I remember, you know, watching those, I remember – they're just going to find a way to do it. Right. You almost felt like that the tight game, they're going to find a way to pull it out and, and win a hockey game. And, um, it was certainly a, a good run. I couldn't imagine obviously for the Valley area, what it did. I mean, it was, um, it was good to see donor kind of 
you know, do what he does. And, and these guys that, you know, been there for, you know, a lot of tough years kind of enjoy this run that they were on. What was your thinking toward the, the tail end there of your career? What, what was your mindset? What were you hoping to accomplish then? When I was in Florida? Yeah. Finish out my deal? Yeah. Um, you know, I've had, I had bad, bad hips. You know, yeah. it's, you know, one, uh, you know, not to the point where I couldn't play, but it was just, you know, that first year back in Florida went pretty good. Like I said, we went to the, you know, we won, I think we won our division. Um, and then, you know, losing in seven to, to Jersey, uh, you know, being, you know, in the mid thirties at the time and, and um, just started getting a little bit of that nagging kind of injuries and, and the hips were starting to go. And unfortunately, it kind of really kind of sidelined me for a lot of, you know, my second go around here. Um, but it is what it is. I, you know, I played the game a certain way. Um, you know, you get banged up and your body just starts kind of falling apart. And, and um, you know, I did so many different little things to try to, you know, avoid getting surgery. And, um, well, yeah, listen, I, I, I think as, as a young player coming in the league, you want to have longevity. You want to be able to be as consistent as a pro as you can and play hard. And, and I think for me, you know, that was it. You know, I started my career in Florida. I wanted to come back. I felt, again, we had a good team here, you know, to make some noise. And, um, you know, just started kind of tumbling downhill as far as the injuries. And um, it is what it is, though. I can look back now and say, you know, do a couple things differently. But overall, I'd be pretty happy how it ended. I can, I mean, I remember the movie that when it came out, RoboCop, obviously, and it's a play on your name, huh. but I don't know the origin story of, of, of the nickname RoboCop. Yeah, you, it was just our, it was our radio guy. It was our radio guy, Chris Moore, um, kind of threw it out there and it stuck. Huh. Yeah, but it's true. That's you. You were the RoboCop. You were the policeman yeah. out there. Yeah. So, Jovo, you talk about your your offense abilities and your most offensive season, surprisingly enough, people may not know this, wasn't in Vancouver. It wasn't in Florida. It was a part of the Arizona Coyotes. Um, what were your, when you look back at your career and what are your fondest memories here of being and playing and spending your time in Arizona? Well, I think first of, first and foremost, I guess the change, right? You know, you're picking up your family, you're moving it to, you know, somewhere else, another destination where you're going to play. So, you know, that in itself, you know, is is a big deal, right? Your schools, kids, this, there's so many moving parts. You know, I, I listen, I, you know, we missed the playoffs two years. We made the playoffs, you know, three years. So, I mean, excited you know, look back at those playoff series, how fun, you know, with the fans, the whiteout. I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, I, I think for me, just, you know, just around the guys, the friendships I made on that team, you know, as we all know, Donor, what kind of guy he is. I mean, Adrian, a coin. So many players go up and down the list. But, you know, obviously, you know, the lifestyle was pretty good there living in Arizona. You know, but I, I think we're coming off of two kind of very tough years and then having, 
those final three years of my contract the way they were. It's been pretty good, pretty good season. I just had uh, one more question for you. Um, and it, it listen, Gary Bettman's taken a lot of criticism for the Sunbelt experiment, but you've been in a couple of those markets. And, and when you look down the line, Anaheim's won a cup. LA's won a cup. Vegas has won a cup. Carolina's won a cup. Tampa's won several. Florida's been to the finals. Nashville's been to the finals. What's your what's your take on this whole Sunbelt experiment in the NHL? Well, I think it's been good, you know. Um, we've had a couple finals here, like, <clears throat> like you said. Um, another good team here this year, so hopefully, you know, they make a stride. But, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think – I think everything that has happened through, I think Gary's done a really good job. <clears throat> um, some pretty good spots, right? And we got to thank Gretz for that. I mean, obviously him going to, you know, making that trade, going to LA, I think has really opened up, you know, that area. And, and, and let's face it, look at, I mean, guys are first round picks coming out of Florida, coming out of California. There's guys that are playing. So it's done a lot you know, for grassroots hockey as well to, um, you know, to produce players. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the overall, the overall, I guess, dynamics of it all has been a nice, has worked. It's, it's say the least. Well, you, you, you've been that you follow this Florida Panther team really close because you broadcast and talk about them all yeah. the time. And we, we watch this Arizona Coyote team really close. So for the fans here in Arizona getting ready for this game, um, as, as the Coyotes really are trying to stick around this playoff push this season, and what can they expect from the Florida Panthers? And is there anything they should look out for in the game um, in South Florida tonight? Well, Florida's lost, you know, a few in a row there, you know, a couple in overtime. They had a great game last night um, in Nashville. They're kind of a relentless group. So when they're rolling, they don't really give you much. They got great on the forecheck and, you know, they have a deep lineup that can, you know, they can beat you, you know, in a lot of different ways. The back end, a very mobile group. And they're going to work hard. And they've, they've made a Marin Bank Arena a very tough place to play. Not lately, the last couple, but yeah. they usually make it a very tough place to grab points out of. Um, you know, you're going to expect that. You know, to them, I think the message probably to them has come across. Hey, listen, we haven't been that good at home the last couple. Um, we won our last game on the road. Let's kind of get on another run. Um, I did watch a little bit of the the Coyotes game yesterday, too, and had a good game. And listen, you got to be able to win on the road, right? You know, yeah. for and I, I think for the Coyotes kind of just, you know, trying to get to that next step, you know, they just – one thing I notice about their game is they don't deviate too much from kind of what they have. They play the same way, whether they're up or they're down and they, they find themselves, you know, giving themselves the best opportunity or finding a way, you know, to win a hockey game. So I think the coach there is, is done a very admirable job. Seems like the guys really enjoy having him behind the bench. I think army's doing his best to, to build a winner. And, um, but yeah, it'll be a good matchup. The, the Panthers are tough. They're, they're, they're tough. When they're on their game, they're very difficult to penetrate kind of through the middle of the ice, um, solid defensively. And I'm sure we're going to see Bobrovsky tomorrow. Um, you know, when he's on, he's very difficult. 
Well, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> that was your cue, all that dead air. See, when you're an audio podcast, Craig, the, the point is to keep talking. Just see, buddy, I, I missed your last message to me. So see how good we are at this, Joe. We're professionals. Yeah. We do this for actually get paid, do this for a living. Um <laughs> Just wanted to thank you, Jovo. I, I know how busy you are and, and really appreciate you taking us down memory lane with the Arizona Coyotes and all those stories. Um, you were one of the great ones here and, and you were here at a really fun time and I'm glad I got the opportunity to get to know you. So thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Guys, Craig, Petey, good to see your uh, lovely faces again. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, God it's an audio podcast. Thank God. I, that's all right. You haven't aged, Petey. You got a little gray. You got a little gray, <laughs> a little gray. like me. But a little gray on the beard. I got to shave that, right. and I'd still be ready to still ready to go. I can't keep up that pace, though. I'm too tired, too old. I'm right. gonna sit at home. I can't get right. on a plane anymore. Thanks, Jovo. Thanks for okay, taking. Okay, guys. Time. Jovo, great right. talking to you. Well, right, that's guys. going to do it for today. A big thank you to Ed Jovanoski for taking the time out of his busy schedule to join us. Make sure you hit that like button, leave us a review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can follow Craig at Craig S. Morgan. Follow me at S. Peters Hockey. And you can follow the show at PHNX underscore Coyotes. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you at the rink.